Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is February 15th. We are in the middle of the month. We're a day after Valentine's Day, so keep the love strong. Don't, like, let it just drop off because you gave it all out yesterday. Just keep it strong. Have a great Friday. I love Fridays. And today is Question Friday, and I have a ton of questions. So I'm going to get to them so that we can get through them. Hey, I like that. I should, like, slogan that. I'm going to get to them so I can get through them. Pretty cool. So I hope you guys are having a great morning wherever you are. And here we go. Here's Christopher Sedre says, Hello, Nadia. Christopher here with questions. I am curious. As someone who has had the incredible experience of seeing and talking to Christ, and you have the amazing gift of self-love, how challenging do you find being amongst those who live in darkness and negativity? How? What is the way to truly letting go of darkness and all the negativity? all the negativity that I got to see Christ for actually for all of us. It's an incredible experience for all of us. Um, And the amazing gift of self-love was not given to me. That being said, in my having to earn understanding what self-love is, and means and looks like in everyday life, it doesn't mean we don't get challenged. So when you ask me how challenging do you find being amongst those who live in darkness and negativity, challenging, the fact that I understand what it took to get me to love myself, I can see what's going on with them. And sometimes, depending on the person and the opportunity, I can turn things around, at least in our interaction. Because that darkness and negativity doesn't scare me. I can look it in the eye. I can do that all day long and take my whole life down that direction. And that's not something I made a decision to do in life. I thought I could be more useful by speaking the way I do on the show, the what I do on Facebook and what we're working on now, which is a speaking forum. And thank God it's not me working on it because if I were the one working on it, it will be another 20 years before we get there because I spend my time doing what I'm doing already, and I honestly had a glass ceiling. So when I was looking for people, I had to really deal with someone who was masking darkness and negativity. And I I looked really hard, and it took me a long time to get here. So how do I deal with that? Truly, because not everyone walks around saying, I'm in darkness and I'm very negative. 
you know, we don't get those clear-cut signs. So how I deal with it is I let time pass because in the beginning is always what I want to believe. And then it's the reality. And then it's can we marry the two? Because this knowledge and this work, it's not that it's positive or negative. It's just true. And if I have somebody constantly trying to stab the truth, then I got to keep stopping the bleeding. And that takes a lot of time. And I don't have a lot of time. So how I deal with it is to ask myself questions. Is do I want to fight their battle? Because people who are usually really dark and really negative, somebody else doesn't fight their battle. They usually don't, don't want to come out of it. They'll never notice it. They'll think that's the way it is and life just stinks and then it goes on and on and on and on. And it's becoming a stereotype of itself. Every single thing, and I'm going to go out on a limb to put this out there because it's true, that we are doing the way we get divorced, the way we break up, the way we get a job, the way we're being educated, all of that has hit a wall. It is all becoming a stereotype and a parody of itself. And we all can see it starting to take our blinders off, to see it within ourselves and say, hey, wait a minute, I'm the one who carries this energy everywhere I go. I'm the one who's antagonistic everywhere I go. I'm the one who causes trouble everywhere I go. Because whoever we are, we take whatever we are with us everywhere we go. It's not a mistake if we start trouble or we live in darkness and negativity that we're going to do that all day long. So when you ask me how, I just say, you know what? I don't think we're going to be able to go any further than we've gone. It's not an easy conversation to have, but I will let them know that, you know, at some point you're already like, well, I'll take this. And I need somebody who really, really can love this work because I'm putting something I love very, very much in their care. And that's, that's huge. And so I don't throw it at them that they're negative. That's actually none of my business unless I am asked to help. And even then, can I? But the bigger story is just telling the truth. Them down for who they are and who they've invested in being. They have free will. If they want to take themselves out, they can. They have many examples of good, bad, and indifferent in front of them. I believe everyone's a big enough person to see that at some point and make a decision because the only way you can change is when you decide, not when someone else decides. But I do say the truth. This is something I love very much. And I have to at least have someone who knows what I'm talking about, what I'm doing, and helps me pull it through. So that's how I deal with that. That's how I would deal with it. What is the way to letting go of darkness and all the negativity? Honestly, it's self-accounting. Um, Christ 
started with self-accounting, saying one ounce of pure love or pure intent will overcome any obstacle provided that it's pure. And if anything, when I do get in a place, because we all get there where we kind of feel like, wow, the world just caved in and what just happened. Oh, well, the whole world's like that. Well, and that's a mild dose of darkness and negativity, and it's also a temporary one. It's not a permanent one. If you're that way permanently, those that's when I say it's really hard to change unless the person themselves say, hey, I'm really tired of that. I, I'm tired of just, it's exhausting to hate everything, or it's exhausting to just pick on every single thing anybody does or says. And if I do notice that that's going on, I just don't participate any longer. And I have that right, and I have that choice. And I didn't know that I had that right, and I had that choice just a few years ago, or maybe even a year ago. But I've learned. And the way I do that is I ask myself, if I died today, what difference would it make to that person? And my usual answer was none. It wouldn't make any difference to that person. So why am I going to give it time? Your battles. Decide where you put your time. Try it once or twice. See if you can help. And if you can't, and we all know when we can, and we all know when we can't, learn to not participate, not include, only because it's not a choice that you want in your life. If you do include the darkness and the negativity, and you do bring that person in, you're bringing them in for your reasons as much as theirs. That's a reality. So letting go Honestly, if there's something, and if you have to say it a hundred times to yourself until one day it clicks, pure love and pure intent will overcome any obstacle provided it's pure. And keep saying it. That is literally the first thing, the first kind of guidance that Christ said to me. And I've had to repeat it to myself over and over again, because my question back to Christ was, how do I know if my intentions are pure? How do I know? I never even thought of my intentions, let alone if they're pure or not. But then I, after time went on, I realized I always knew when things were right. And if you know when things are right, then you know when they're not. And if you're honest, at least with yourself, then you say, hey, you know what? I don't know if I like being this person that's negative. I don't know if I do, but I don't know how to get out of it. I can't. I kind of feel silly just going along with things. I, I kind of feel like weird if I'm, I'm actually happy and I, I really do feel happy and I'm okay being happy. And that's why I wrote those things about happiness guilt, all those posts. Because, and I did a show on happiness guilt. 
We've been told so many awful things sometimes as we were growing that we were scared to show our happiness. It was easier to be dark and negative, just like the rest of the pack, if that was the case. And then when you're happy, you're like, well, gosh, being happy, now what do I do? And our adrenaline doesn't flow and our excitement doesn't hit until we actually start causing trouble. And I I lived, I lived with a family that did that. And I remember from two different family members when things were okay in the house, one of them mumbled under their breath, what can I rile up? And it made me scared for things to be okay in the house because I was afraid that every time things were okay, the other shoe would drop and it happened every single time. Every time I started to feel like, wow, I'm so happy and I'd be so good and so right. And then someone will come up to me and throw a wrench in it. And I, I actually left that family. And when I did, and my daughter walked in the house because she was away at school, so she didn't see a lot of it. She said to me, wow, I never realized it felt like there was a dark cloud in the house and it's gone. And I said, yeah, the windows are open and the air is just going through. Can you believe it? Some of them in the family have broken through the darkness and all the negativity and came back to me to say, I finally understand what you've done. I didn't when I was younger and I fought you. And I loved her to pieces. And I, I, she was going to drop out of school and I pushed her to stay. She fought me all the way. I put her in therapy. I can do that with a child. But once somebody's an adult, they're really hard to reach if they themselves don't want to be reached. If you meet someone who's in a place of darkness and they're sweet underneath that darkness, you may have a way of helping them see that life can feel better. But you can't do it for them. Sometimes we take people on as projects and we, we want to, you know, jump in and save them. I was one of those too, only to find out I can't. And when I can't, they, they themselves turn on me for not saving them because they didn't believe that they had any hope of doing it on their own. And they didn't want to try. Was rent when I didn't have money, when my own rent wasn't paid. I brought people into my house and tried to take care of them. But that mentality got me taken advantage of. So I have learned hard, long, and I can't say fast. No one can let go without their own permission. And them giving themselves permission is the biggest challenge that we have. It is the biggest challenge that we have. Hope I answered your question. I have another question, and this is from Lithuania, from Maria in Lithuania. And she says, 
Dear Nadia, thank you very much for answering my question last week. I am very grateful. I hope this is okay to ask one more question. I've tried everything to answer it myself for quite a long time, but I think somehow I still in in the dead end with this and can't break through understanding it. The question is, sometimes it happens that the energy exchange between two souls is so pure that after a breakup or separation, both of those souls can leave with each other's pain. And or if one of the souls becomes other, the other's weak, soul's weakness as a result of injured love, truth, or purity. Even if a soul is not really weak by itself, negativity still can come in through a pierced part. How do we put everything to its right places and lead ourselves out of being weakness and restore the balance and good energy exchange with ourselves and the other souls? Thank you again to you and the team and Christ. Much love, Maria from Lithuania. This question, because now we're talking about negativity again. So we seem to be hitting a wall with it. Tell you, this is one of the most valuable things. Everything I've learned from Christ is valuable. And every time I talk about one thing, I think it's the most. But there's so many most with Christ. But this one, this negativity, just like Christopher was asking, and now you're asking, Maria. If you have interacted for a long time with someone that's negative, and that negative person may have been you in that particular situation, really think about who you were before you met that person. Think about how you felt as a human being then. And the reason that's so important is for you to see the difference between how you were in the beginning and then what you left with in the end so that you can see what you're carrying from the relationship as opposed to just what happened. So this was me before, this was me during, and now afterwards I feel fear, doubt, worry, or I feel guilt, or I feel control, or I feel weak, or I feel sad, or I feel broken. But that happened in the relationship. So once you think that through, and really, you know, pay attention. Well, when they were upset and they said those awful things to me, I felt bad. I felt like I disappointed them. I felt this, I felt that. So you start coming up with, where the twists and turns started to happen. And then once you do that, very kindly from your heart, remind yourself, I love this person. Together, we brought out each other's injuries. What I would like to do now, John's injuries back to him. I no longer need to carry his injuries. And God, may you show him a path to heal his injuries. I do not any longer need to carry his injuries with me. I need to give them back to him so that he can solve them. 
and mays do so. I love his soul. I spent time with his soul. We no longer are spending time together. I no longer need that energy. And learn to give the energy back. I always give it back with love. I always ask God to help that soul figure it out themselves. Because, again, going back to these things, the only way anyone can solve by their own permission, you can't come in and take over another soul's life. None of us can. And I go back to the question that I brought about before. If I died today, that person will still go on. They have to. We are survivors. But if I enable that person to depend on me to live, what happens if I die? Then they feel like they can't live either. And it may sound nice and sentimental, but really I would be hurting them allow them to be dependent on me. And I had to learn that lesson and actually hit before I saw Christ. I got hit by a car while I was crossing the street in a rainstorm. I know it sounds like those old stories of people walking up a hill to school five miles and we tell our kids those stories, but I did. And the biggest lesson I got of it wasn't that I got hit by the car. was my kids were nine and seven years old to myself while I was on my way home to see them before they took me to the hospital. What did I teach my kids? What do my kids know? Can they make it without me? I don't know. And I know they're young, but what have I taught them? And that turned the trajectory around in my entire family and existence with my children. And everything I taught them afterwards, sure, they knew for them, not for me. I didn't make my daughter clean her room for me. Before that, I used to think that was being a good parent. Now, I say, clean it for you, because one day you're going to be a roommate. Or a partner to someone. What kind of partner will you be? Well, at least you'll know that you can take care of your things. And I tell them what you don't take care of, somebody else will. What you don't pay attention to, somebody else will. Take care of yourself. Learn to do that. And put you in the middle of New York. I want to know you can navigate around the city with or without me. If you want to start a job, I know you can take directions and and know how to interact with other people in a way that makes you enjoy where you're at, which means others will also enjoy you. There's a rise above mentality that we can all take part of. It's not special for anybody. We just have to know how to accept good for ourselves. Energy. It's not your angst alone. You'll, you'll know what's left, that, that it's yours, and you need to work on that. And that's fine. We all need to work on something. 
But when we carry the burdens of another soul on top of ours, we don't get to ours and they don't get to theirs. And the smart thing is, is that you knew enough not to stay together because if that's what you both brought out in each other, that is really heavy on a relationship. Really, really heavy on a relationship. And while you are in a relationship and you start to feel that, ask that they maintain their own energy and you maintain your own energy so that you both can help each other as opposed to, you know, add yours on his and his on yours and then you think because it's just too heavy. Really think about giving back energy. I know I've done shows on it and I probably need to do another one. Because as time goes on, I start learning more. And I'm so much more definite about, hey, wait a minute. Because now I've had years of experience behind it. I have one more question for the last five minutes of the show. And it's from Susan in Germany. And she said, when we overlook what we love most, how do we get our attention to our own love so we can see? That goes with asking yourself questions without our own investigation and if you ask yourself if I had this time and I can do whatever it is I want to do what would I be doing for real not what do I think I should be doing not what should I be doing to achieve this goal or not but what would I naturally be doing and when you can answer that question and you know what you love most, start carving time out every day to do it until your momentum builds. We have to start. We want what we love to do the work for us. We think, well, if I love it, I'll just naturally want to do it. I'll just naturally know. But no, I lived many years in life doing what I thought other people would love about me or show the world that I was fine. But then when I asked myself, well, what do I really love? Well, what do I do every day? What do I try to do every day? I love to clean. I love to cook. I love to be with my family. I love to write. I love to do the radio show. Okay. Then let me do that every day. And anything else I choose, I have to love as much as the stuff that I'm already doing that I love. That's a good filter. It's just that the stuff I love was so simple that I overlooked it. Trying to get to what I thought I should be doing, whatever that was. The shouldas and the wouldas and the couldas all fell away. Once I actually knew that cleaning for me wasn't just something I had to do. I actually love doing it. I love organizing. I love structure. And anything that lends itself to that is something I can lend myself to because I love the structure or the organizational part, whatever it is. So the things that you think you love We actually love because sometimes we think it has to be really big because we love it. 
And it is the small little things in our lives that carry us from day to day. And if we can expand on those and share those things, whether it's our job, our families, whatever it is, we will be able to do what we love. We just think it's got to come to us in neon lights and it's a big secret. And it's not a big secret. Think about what you do every day. Think about what you can't wait to do and what you look forward to doing. Start there. Find out what your strongest traits are through that assessment, that filter. And then once you're there, enjoy those moments. Don't let them pass by trying to get to something bigger. Guys, have a great weekend. I have 10 seconds left. I love you guys, and I'll see you Monday morning. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.